Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Over the course of the last few weeks, we've been looking at the book of James in the New Testament and identifying some of the things that James would consider pressure points in the lives of God's people. A few weeks back, we talked about, well, where's the place of suffering in the life of a Christian? Then we talked about faith and works, how faith and works really are part of the whole of the Christian life. And then last week, we talked about taming our tongues, how much a tongue can be used both as a blessing and as something bad. Today, we're just addressing something that, if I had kept a tally, might be the question that I've gotten more than any other question as a pastor. The question goes something like this. How can I know what God's plan for me is? How can I know that my plans are God's plans? Today, James gives us some direction as we consider our planning and what it means to plan according to God's will. We've all been there, right? The best laid plans of mice and men oft come to nothing, poet Robert Burns wrote. We know what it is to plan and fail, right? It doesn't matter how many plans we make, we generally find that they don't always work out just the way we'd like them to. Maybe this is a simple example on the screen, but you might have planned a, a beautiful picnic only to find out that the rain that wasn't forecast came and the picnic wasn't as nice as you thought it was going to be. But there's lots of other things in life where that can happen too, right? I wonder how many of our students who are here back for another semester have at some point during the course of their student life switched their major. You don't have to raise your hands, but you think your life is going in one direction only to have God turn it in a different direction. And it can happen in so many facets of life, can't it? Our health can take a sudden turn. There can be unexpected repairs for our vehicle or our homes. They're just things that simply are not in our control. So where does our planning come in when, it thinks, when we compare our will with God's will? That's what James wants to help us with today in James chapter 4. He's going to give us a proper perspective and as we listen to this advice from James, note a couple of things that James says. First of all, to have the proper perspective for planning, you first of all have to plan as if your life is short. And then he says you plan as if your life belongs to God. Listen again to chapter 4, verses 13 uh, to 15, or 13 and 14, where James says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. When we think about making plans, we know that it's necessary. At least some measure of planning is necessary. Maybe some of the short-range plans that we make don't seem all that important. We make decisions every day like, well, what socks should I wear today? Or what kind of salad dressing should I put on my lettuce? Those don't have maybe deep consequential results, but lots of other things do. Deciding what career you're going to choose, deciding to be married, to have children, 
Just before we had a congregational meeting where we presented the congregation with opportunities to plan and shape the future of the chapel. Should we be doing that? Should we be making those plans even though life is sometimes short? Whether our plans are short-term or long-range, we know there's this tension that exists, don't we? Do you feel that tension? The tension between understanding that life is short and our time in this world could would end at any, any moment, Jesus could come back at any moment, and also knowing that we might be on earth for years, decades yet. So how do we balance those two things? Living for now, planning for our lives on earth, all the while mindful that where we really want to be is somewhere else, an eternity with our Lord. You see the dilemma that every Christian has? How much time and effort do I put into my earthly planning when I know that something better is still to come? To be fair, if James were here today, he might tell you, well, what I'm talking about in James chapter 4 really presents only one side of that equation. James is encouraging us to plan as if our eternal future is the primary focus. What he's not saying is that it's wrong to make plans here for our earthly lives. It's a both and. He wants us to plan for this life while looking ahead to something even better. Okay, I'm going to quiz you in just a moment here, so be prepared. First of all, before I even present you the options for the quiz, let me say this. There is no shame in whatever you answer because God makes us all differently. But as I thought about planning, I thought, really, there are two far extremes to the way people plan. On the one hand, you have the people who want to plan out every, seemingly every moment of every single day. I think I've seen people with Excel spreadsheets and flow charts and pie charts that say, this is what we're going to do now, and then this is what we're going to do then. Every detail is meticulously planned. Then on the other end of the extreme, you have your people who, what's the expression? Fly by the seat of their pants, right? Not much planning, just whatever happens, happens. Everything will be fine. It'll all work out, right? So here's my question. Again, no shame. I'm just interested. Maybe you're kind of in between the two, but I want you to choose which one you feel like you're closer to. Who are my meticulous planners out there? Go ahead, raise your hands if you really like everything planned out. Okay, quite a few of those. How many are closer to the other side where you just take life as it comes? It's almost a 50-50 split. Isn't that proof that God has created us all differently? And that's a good thing, right? Here's the funny thing. It really doesn't matter which side you fall on. An equal number of plans will be successful and fail, I suppose, no matter which side you're on. Sometimes we can plan things out that work just the way we want them to. And other times, life throws us a curveball where the plans that we had simply don't amount to much. Should we be concerned? Should we be concerned when our plans don't turn out the way we want them to? James would say to you and me, we don't have to be concerned. We don't have to be concerned because, well, ultimately our life in this world is pretty short. What is life, James simply says. What is your life? You see, everything about this life is uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, James says. We could even make that a little bit more pointed. We don't know what's going to happen in the next 15 minutes. We don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the day. We certainly don't know what's going to happen for the rest of our lives. And it's hard to operate under those circumstances. 
because we have no control. We like to think we do. We want to have control. We want to say, if I make plan A, then plan A is going to go just how I made it out to be. Only we know that's not what happens. It's why James uses a word that describes so well what our life in this world is like. He says you're like a vapor, a mist. We didn't get to see it this morning, but there are mornings, especially in the fall, if I remember right, where you wake up in the morning and a heavy fog or mist is hanging over just about everything. But it doesn't last very long, does it? Usually by mid-morning, sometimes a little bit later, the sun has burned all of that mist or that fog, that vapor away, and you forget about it. That's us. That's our life, a vapor. A mist. So what does that mean as we think about our plans? For the students here, a new semester is starting at UW-Madison tomorrow, Tuesday, I guess, Tuesday, and you've made some plans. You've planned out your classes. Maybe you're thinking about an internship already. Maybe you're thinking about where you're headed in your career. Is that wrong? Not at all. God wants us to plan. He wants us to use our brains and think about how can I use the gifts that he's given me to serve him? But James would say, don't lose sight of where you're headed, that your life in this world won't last forever. Couldn't we say the same thing about a career that we choose? Maybe you've switched career paths. Maybe you're thinking about a job change. Maybe you're thinking about retirement. All of those things are in God's hands. We can make our plans, and sometimes those plans even work out just how we think. But whatever our plans are, God knows something better is still to come. Our health. One day you can be perfectly healthy, and the next day go to the doctor and find out it's not the case. If you've dealt with health crisis, if you've had troubles with your health, it's easy to say, well, this wasn't my plan. This wasn't what I was thinking. But God knows, and he knows where he's leading you as well. That idea of fog or mist or vapor is kind of a good picture for us to focus on, to remember that we aren't going to live in this world forever. If I use the words London fog, what might it bring to mind for you? Go ahead and think about that just for a moment. My guess is that some of you are aware that London fog is a brand name of outerwear, trench coats and handbags, and maybe some of you even own a piece of London fog clothing or apparel. Did you know that London fog is also a beverage? It is an Earl Grey tea latte with foamy milk and vanilla. That's called a London fog. I did not know that before yesterday. But when most people use the word London fog, they're talking about something in the history of the people of London, England. Back in December of 1952, a strange combination of weather and industrial pollution formed a smog that blanketed London for five days. This smog was toxic. It shut down the entire city. Pretty much people were immobilized and Thousands actually lost their lives. Five days. That seems like an awful long time for a fog to hang on, doesn't it? And yet, five days in the scope of a lifetime? Five days in the scope of eternity? It's nothing. And that's our life. A mist. 
So how should we plan with those thoughts in mind? Well, James would say plan knowing that your life is short, but plan also knowing that your life is in God's hands. Listen to verses 15 to 17. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. God's will. That's what James talks about. That thing that makes us wonder, well, what exactly is that in our lives? What is God's will? Well, God's will for you and for me is that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. If we start with that, that that's God's will for your life and mine, then everything else that we consider when we talk about planning falls into place. You see, what it takes to submit to God's will, to understand that, that God knows better than I know myself, is a pretty good dose of humility. A humility that doesn't come easily to us because it's completely unnatural. You see, I love to think that I know me better than anyone. And so if I make plans for my life, of course I know the way those plans should go. Of course I know what's best for me. But in that arrogance, as James calls it, I forget that someone knows better. That someone knows my life better than I even know it myself. Do you know that Jesus once said this? Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. How can God know us so deeply? We constantly have to fight to put down our pride. To think that yes, there is someone out there that has a better plan for my life than I could ever come up with. And it's God's word. The promises that God has made us there that create in us a willingness to submit ourselves to the will of God, knowing that he knows what's best. James says it this way, Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, I will do this or that, or live in this city or that one. So let's circle back to the question, how? How do we know what God's will and God's plan for our life is? If there were one simple, easy answer that I could give you today, so you could walk out of here and say, if this, this, and this happens, then I know it's God's will, I would do it. But the Bible doesn't answer the question in that way. The Bible simply says this, let's start with how God loves you and me. And then let's stay connected to God in his word and understand that that's where the will of God is found. And then when decisions are made, when plans of our life are being made, let's pray to the one who we know is in control, humbly submitting to what he has planned for us. And then it's time to act. Do what God is leading you to believe is right and trust that God will bless it. He will bring you blessings for your life through whatever decisions are made when you trust that his will is best. Does it make sense that James is trying to create for us a mindset in planning? He, he's trying to make us realize that, that if we approach plans in the way that we ought to think that, that God's will is first and our will is secondary, then we're on the right track. If we don't get frustrated or worry or complain to God about our plans going awry, doesn't that demonstrate that we are submitting to the will of God? 
so easy to do those things. And it's even easy to question. It's easy to question that God maybe doesn't love us if my plans don't work the way I want. Maybe God's love for me isn't as deep as I wanted to believe it is. See, that, that trap of thinking that we know better than God can lead us to those questions, can lead us to that place. And so I want to offer you today what the Bible offers you as proof of God's love. Are you ready? It's two wooden beams stained with the blood of the very Son of God who was willing to go to a cross for you and for me so that every single sin of ours is washed away completely. Paul says it this way, he didn't spare, God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If God's love for you is called into question in your heart and in your mind, look no further than the cross of Jesus. Look no further than the love the heavenly father has for you to offer up his own son and then trust that the blessings in your decisions that are made and as God guides those decisions, that he will bless it in the way that he knows is best. We saw it in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Make your plans and trust that God will lead them on the proper course. Or Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's God's ultimate plan for you to take you home to live with him forever in heaven. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, making plans is a necessary part of life and God wants us to plan. Throughout Psalms, Proverbs, other places in scripture, a lot is written about planning. King David in Psalm 20 actually says this, may God grant you all the desires of your heart and make all of your plans succeed. Number two, we recognize that our lives are uncertain and short. It was Moses who wrote in Psalm 90 that a person's strength might be 70 years or 80, but they quickly pass and we are soon forgotten. Finally, number three, we trust that God's plans are always best. He plans to give us eternity with him. Do you remember these words of the Apostle Paul from Philippians chapter 1? That the one who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion at the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what God wants with, for you, to live with him forever in heaven. All right, I won't ask for a show of hands on this one, but I want you to think about it. If you think about your life right now and everything that's happened in your life and you had to analyze how you thought your plans have worked out, where would you be on that scale of red, yellow, and green as far as being satisfied with your plans? Is it fair to say that we might go between some of those every once in a while in life? But what James is trying to tell us is to stay as satisfied as we can possibly be because we know to whom we belong. We know the one who sent his son to die for us. We know the one who wants us to live with him forever in heaven. And so we can say, as James instructs, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that or whatever. We can put our lives in God's hands knowing that his love for us will always win the day and that he's waiting to take us to be with him forever in the joy of heaven.
Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.